If the Lord had not been my help, my soul would soon have lived in the land of silence. When I thought my foot slips, your steadfast love, O Lord, held me up. When the cares of my heart are many, your consolations cheer my soul. Those are verses 17 to 19 of Psalm 94, which along with Psalm 95 are the psalms appointed for today, Tuesday, June the 21st, 2022. You're listening to Faith Seeking Understanding, and I'm your host, John Green. Thanks for being along today. I appreciate it. We are continuing to look at numbers, finishing up the story of the rebellion of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. Um, in sixteen, chapter 16, verses 20 to 35, we're in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 19, verses 23 to 30, sort of the follow-on to yesterday's reading uh, where the, the rich young man, but in this case it's just a man, um, asks Jesus what he has to do to receive eternal life. And Jesus says, you've got to sell everything you own and give it or give everything, give it away and then come follow me. And then in Paul's letter to the church at Rome, chapter 4, verses 1 to 12. So remember yesterday what had happened was is that Korah, uh, Dathan and Abiram and 250 other chosen men, well-known men from the, from Israel, came and challenged the leadership of Moses and Aaron, said, who, who, who made you ruler and judge over us? Which is exactly what Moses was asked in the land, in Egypt, I mean, um, way back before any of this stuff happened. They're, they're saying, who made you ruler and judge over us? You've gone too far. You've, you've exalted yourself above us, and, and we're a holy nation, a royal priesthood. And Moses basically said, we didn't exalt ourselves. God did. You're trying to exalt yourself. And, and us being leaders is not the same as disputing whether the congregation is holy. However, you did mess up pretty badly right there. So <laughs> there we are in the, in, the, in the conclusion of that story, because remember what happened yesterday was Korah came forward with these 250, and they were there. They, they presented themselves at the tent of meeting, while Dathan and Abiram said, hey, we're not even going to do that. We don't even respect you enough to do that. We don't even respect God enough to do that, because we think that was your idea, Moses. So they stayed in the camp at their tents, and Korah and his people came forward. And now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, because that's what they had to do. They had to present themselves, and now everybody's there. And, and Moses said, tomorrow God's going to choose. So he says, the Lord says to Moses and Aaron, separate yourselves from among this congregation that I may consume them in a moment. And they, they Moses and Aaron, fell on their faces saying, oh God, the God of the spirits of all flesh, shall one man sin, and will you be angry with all the congregation? Now, they were representing the congregation. But they were the ones who were presumptuous, and they were the leaders. And leaders have a special responsibility. They have a special responsibility before the Lord. And so when you do these things, when you run a rebellion like this, and you question the legitimacy of, of legitimate leadership chosen by God, then, then you hold the responsibility for this, even if you whipped up the mob to be part of it. It's the same thing that happens at the crucifixion, right? The, the leaders of the people whip them up into a mob, convince them that there's something there, and that Jesus has to be dealt with. Now, everybody stands and says, crucify him. But the people who, who bear the most responsibility for that are the leaders of the people. So they fell on their faces, but they pleaded with God not to, not to destroy everybody. I mean, how many times did Moses plead for the lives of the people? 
It's absolutely unbelievable. He's not saying don't do something to Korah because that's who's standing in front of him with all these people. He, he, he's saying deal with him, but, but hold them less accountable because they were whipped up into this. <clears throat> so, so he's pleading for the people. That, I mean, God is going to destroy these people multiple times, and deservedly so, <laughs> in the wilderness, but he doesn't. And the Lord said to Moses— spoke to Moses, saying, Say to the congregation, Get away from the dwelling of, of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. Then Moses rose and went to Dathan and Abiram, and the elders of Israel followed him. And he spoke to the congregation, saying, Depart, please. I mean, is, how polite is this, right? <laughs> Depart, please, from the tents of these wicked men, and touch nothing of theirs, lest you be swept away with all their sins. So they got away from the dwelling of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. That they realized at this point, you know what? They cooked this up. This is on them. Nope, not going to follow them. <clears throat> and Dathan and Abiram came out and stood at the door of their tents together with their wives, their sons, and their little ones. And and Moses said, basically, you wanted a sign? Here's your sign. I got a sign for you right here. Hereby you shall know that the Lord has sent me to do all these works and that it's not been of my own accord. The Lord sent me to do it. And I didn't do them on my own. It was him. If these men die, as all men die, or if they're visited by the fate of all mankind, then the Lord's not sent me. If they don't, if they just continue to have a, a life and die a normal death, then 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 God's God didn't send me. But if the Lord creates something new and the ground opens its mouth and swallows them up with all that belongs to them and they go down alive into Sheol, the netherworld, then you shall know that these men have despised the Lord. He's not saying that that I'm asking him to do something because of the sin that they committed against me. Uh-uh. They committed a sin against the Lord because they questioned his leadership ultimately. Because I serve under his pleasure. I serve because he chose me. And if you despise me, then you despise the one who chose me. And, and that's exactly what Jesus says when he's talking about blessed are you when they persecute you for his name's sake. It's not you that's being despised, it's him. And so we, we can just be counted, we, we can consider ourselves blessed because we've represented him well. <laughs> we have not misrepresented him if we're being persecuted for that. And so um, as soon as he had finished speaking all these words, the ground under them split apart and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up with their households and all the people who belonged to Korah and their goods and all their goods. So they and all that belonged to them went down alive into Sheol and the earth closed over them and they perished from the midst of the assembly. Can you imagine standing there watching this happen? I mean, it's absolutely unbelievable. Oh, my gosh, did you just—did that really just happen? And all Israel were around them, fled at their cry, for they said, lest the earth swallow us up as well. So the fear is, is that, that we recognize our sin in all this, and so they fled at the cry of these men and their families as they went down in what would sort of look like an earthquake with a fissure that consumes all these people. And then fire came out from the Lord and consumed the 250 men offering the incense. So these are the 250 men that had been chosen from the tribes of Israel who, who were leaders and who came up to see which God would bless. We don't know exactly what the test Moses was proposing was, but we do know that, hey, if you think you're a big boy, this is what you're going to do. So the challenge is, yeah, you come here. You come on up here. 
and we'll see if you if you want if you if you want to be a big boy, you want to be treated like a big boy, then you come on up here, and, and we'll see what happens. And so the the main leaders of the rebellion, Korah, Dathan, and Abiram, were swallowed up by the earth, and these other two hundred and fifty who decided they too would be leaders are consumed by fire in the same way that the sons of Aaron were consumed by fire, because here they have brought strange, unauthorized fire, just as his sons had done initially. In Matthew's gospel today, we, we Jesus is now, after this rich young man has gone away because he had much possessions and wasn't able or willing to get rid of his possessions in order to receive the kingdom, Jesus turns to the disciples and says, Truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? And Jesus looked at him and said, With man this is impossible. With God all things are possible. So the, the, the measure of the blessedness, God's love for you, God's concern for you, the measure of blessedness would have been considered to be your wealth. God likes that guy. And the proof is he has a lot of stuff. But what happened with Korodathan and Abiram's stuff? Because what we're told is it all went down to Sheol with them. They still had it, just not very useful. <laughs> so here, that, that's what Jesus is saying, is, is, is that we can't be owned by our possessions. It's with difficulty, but it's not impossible. The call on us is, is the same. And uh, Bonhoeffer in uh, Cost of Discipleship speaks about this very thing. He says, you know, I've heard it preached uh, that that what you really need to do is develop an air of detachment towards your possessions. And, and that would be sufficient. Don't let them own you. And, and his comment was, you know, it, it's interesting to hear it preached that way because this guy knew that Jesus didn't mean it that way. He meant literally, I want you to sell everything you have and give it to the poor and then come and follow me. That was the call. It wasn't just, you know, kind of act like, you know, those things don't really matter to you. No, he knew better than that, that this wasn't some spiritual exercise Jesus had called him to. He called him to do it in reality, that he couldn't get away with an air of detachment towards his possessions. It had to be real. And Peter knows that. Because Peter says, see, we have left everything and followed you. Where have you heard that before? Well, that's exactly what Jesus told the guy to do. So, so it's silly to suggest something else. There, there's something else totally different that, that's at hand here. And Peter knows that we did this thing. We did exactly what you told that guy to do. What then will we have? Jesus said to them, truly, I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorified throne, you will, glorious throne, you will have followed, who have followed me, will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Well, that's a great thing. I mean, does it get much better than that? Jesus said to them, truly, I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, sorry, and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake, everybody who's done what I asked that guy to do, and he meant it, if you left those things for my name's sake, will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. So do do we develop an air of detachment toward our things, or do we do exactly what he says? Do we, do, do, are we willing to leave everything behind to follow him? And sometimes that's the call. 
on our lives. We have to walk away from our past and move into the future God calls us to do. Now, does he call every disciple to do that? Well, obviously not, because some of these people worked. <laughs> they had other jobs, and they had homes and all that kind of stuff. But, but the call could come at any time for you to leave all that behind. It was very, very difficult for me to do that, I'll be honest with you. I was doing really well, making a lot of money, and um, having a lot of fun. And, and, and the call came for me to do this very thing, and I couldn't do it. And so it was five years later before I was actually willing to go to seminary, but God had to, had to take it all away from me first before I could go. And so it's a difficult thing to do this. I acknowledge that. I, I, I didn't do it well myself. But I didn't just get one chance. He, he gave me another chance to do this. And I'm so grateful for that, for his grace, that that, that was not fatal. In Romans today, Paul says, What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? So what did he get in the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about but not before God. I mean, really, seriously, can you, can you think about boasting before God? Because I can. I've done it. <clears throat> Any prayer that begins with, Lord, look what I've done, and what have you done for me? Um, <laughs> sounds like that. But what does Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now, to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as a due. Look what I've done for you. What are you going to give me? <clears throat> And to the one who does not work but believes in him, who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. So, oh, wait. Blessedness is in forgiveness for the things wrong things we've done, not in reward for the good things we have done. That's what the man wanted. He wanted to be rewarded for something he did. What good work do I have to do to inherit eternal life? What, what do I have to do to, to get the kind of inheritance that I've gotten on earth? Because I've got to do something. And what, what had he done, really, in order to get that inheritance? Yeah, well, he was born lucky. He was born to the right man. You get, and Jesus' thing would be, you've got to be born again. You've got to give away that inheritance to receive the earthly inheritance. And why is why did Jesus demand that of him? Well, because he knew his heart, and he knew that that was more important to him. So Paul goes on to say, "Then, uh, yeah, is this blessing then only for the circumcised, or for the also for the uncircumcised? For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it accounted to him? Was it before or after he became circumcised? It was not after, but he was before he was circumcised. He did he did circumcision in obedience." to God's command, after the encounter where God counted his faith to him, his righteousness. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. So the, the covenant was made because of his faith, not because of things he had done, but because of his faith. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised, so that righteousness could be counted to them as well and to make him the father of the circumcised who are not merely circumcised outwardly, but also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. So it's a, faith is not some just statement. No, it's the walking in the footsteps of faith. 
Faith is walking it out day by day, trusting him in all things, doing what the disciples did when they gave up everything to come and follow him. That man in the uh, gospel was called to take a step of faith in order to get the kingdom, in order to inherit eternal life. He had to take a step of faith, walk away from everything he could see for the sake of that which he could not see. Moses had incredible faith, and his faith was seen very clearly here in this passage where he says, okay, here's the deal. If this happens, then God didn't send me. But if this happens, God did send me. He had faith that God would would validate him in that moment before all the people. And it's important that he had that kind of faith because that's what kept him going. And, And ultimately, it's what kept the people going in the wilderness as well, is that Moses had faith, and and they put their faith in Moses as he put his faith in God. It's important. Our, Our faith can be the greatest witness to another person that can ever be. If they see our faith, then they would be encouraged to have that same faith too. It's important that that God test our faith sometimes and that that be publicly done in order that people could see this guy really does believe. That woman really does believe God. He's in a hard place. She's in a hard place. But he didn't lose his equilibrium. He didn't lose his mind. He didn't lose his faith. It's important that we persevere in hard times and that our faith be constantly on display for others, that we be willing to do anything that God calls us to for the sake of his kingdom.